Well, I'm sure you're there by now. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The title of my sermon is Pregnant with the Word. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favoured one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her own age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Here we are. Mary, going to be supernaturally pregnant with the Son of God. What would life be like if there was no more pregnancies? What if there was no more pregnancies and every human woman was barren? Well, very soon we'd run out of people, wouldn't we? What if there was no more pregnancies among the animals? What if cows no longer gave birth to calves? Or uh, pigs no longer gave birth to piglets? Or turkeys no longer gave birth to turkeylets or whatever they're called? <laughs> very soon, the shops would be, wouldn't be full. What if, what if the fish no longer had the eggs that were fertilised and were pregnant with eggs? Very soon, without pregnancy, this whole world would grind to a halt. And in this story of Mary, I want to show you today that because all truth is parallel, that although we're seeing something very unique, obviously, uh, in this uh, virgin girl who's going to bring forth Jesus and uh, be born of a virgin, what God does in bringing forth Jesus through pregnant Mary can be paralleled with how God impregnates our spiritual lives with the seed of his word to bring to birth his kingdom in our lives and circumstances. You know the parable, the sower sows the seed and the seed is the word and the seed goes into the soil and if it's good soil, that's the soil of our hearts, then the seed germinates and produce, produces fruit. Well, God in our lives, just like Mary, will speak a word of promise in us and through us for his will to be done. And how that word works when God speaks over our lives, his calling, his promise, is very similar to what we see here in Mary's experience. And I want to draw some truths for us so that we can properly be pregnant 
with God's word in our lives and then through pregnancy bring forth what God has placed in our hearts to be birthed in our lives. The first thing to show about this uh, situation of Mary is that this came right out of the blue for Mary. Mary wasn't seeking this miracle. She wasn't seeking to be called the mother of the Saviour, but it was a divine initiative that came out of nowhere. Um, I'm sure she was a, a, a very godly woman, but there were many godly women in Israel at that time. But God decided sovereignly of his own choice and his own will to visit this particular young virgin with a word of conception and miraculous birth of the Saviour. We see that he comes to her and the first thing he says to her, the angel, is, Greetings, favoured one. The, Lord's, the Lord is with you. And then when she is wondering what's happening, he says, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favour with God. God comes into our lives and he comes into our lives supernaturally, sometimes when we least expect it. Think about how God came into your life, if you're a Christian here today, and how you, how you got saved, how you found Jesus as your saviour. For most of us, we were just living our lives, we weren't seeking God, no one of themselves seeks after God, but then God starts to enter into our circumstances. Situations happen that turn our thoughts to God. People begin to witness to us and God enters into our circumstance with a supernatural shaking. It, it, it was his initiative. And when God saves a person, he doesn't just save them to get to heaven, but he saves them for a divine purpose. He wants them to bring his kingdom into the earth and he saves them with a call and with promises and with destiny. And so here, this, this angel, the supernatural, breaks in to the natural. There she is living her life, and then, every, and then all of a sudden there's an angel in front of her declaring the word. But before he declares the word, he declares that God is with you. God is with you. God is for you. And God's word and call over your life, his destiny for you, always comes with grace, mercy and favour. Before you say, Lord, what's your plan for my life? Or before you begin to follow God's plan for your life, before you, before you even hear his word of command, his word of destiny over you, first hear that he is graceful, he is merciful, he is kind. Because what God has got planned for us, we need to know that he is for us. He shakes the heavenly realm. Do you know, in a gathering like this, and those watching on television, there must be many, many, I'm serious about this, many, many angels on assignment right now. Now, Mary had this manifestation of an angel called Gabriel who visited her and spoke to her. But angels are sent by God to minister to the saints. And because they are just messengers, they don't seek any glory. They work invisibly behind the scenes, intervening in our circumstances, drawing us towards God. And of course, the greatest intervener is the Holy Spirit himself. And so God has a plan for your life. And it's not natural. 
It's not just you making your decisions, uh, uh, planning out your career path, and then saying, God, would you bless me in my work? But God has a plan for you, and he wants to birth some things in your life and through your life so his kingdom can come and his will can be done on earth. Next thing we see after this choice that came with favour is the angel delivered a promise and said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great. There was the breaking in of the supernatural into the young girl's life. There was a, don't be afraid. There was favour. There was choice. But then came the word, the word over her life that would change everything in her life, everybody around her life. And in this particular case, it would change thousands and millions and millions of lives forevermore. Jesus was to be born. Now, God's word is the seed that impregnates our spirit. In other words, the way that faith works is like this. God speaks a word into our heart about a situation, a circumstance, a person. God calls us to a certain path of following him. God opens a door or shuts another, uh, brings, to, brings us into a situation where he communicates to us his will. It could be in prayer, it could be through prophecy, it could be right reading, reading the word. God comes in and he brings us his seed, he brings us his promise. Mary received a promise and that promise was the seed that was going to impregnate her. The word, as John said, would become flesh and dwell amongst us. That word that the angel spoke from the Lord would enter into her womb and Jesus, the word, would come down from heaven and become a baby inside her and she would then carry this baby to, uh, to, to, to birth. Now, it's not enough for there to be words in the Bible. The words in the Bible need to be personalised into our particular situations and circumstances. You know, there are, the New Testament was written in Greek. And in, in the New Testament, there are two Greek words for the word, word. Two Greek words for the English word, word. And the first Greek word is logos. And so when you read John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Greek word is logos. So in the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God, referring to Jesus. But this logos, this word logos for word, means the whole fullness of the word. So when the word became flesh, the logos became flesh. Everything that Jesus was in heaven became dwelling as a baby on earth. Also, we can refer to the Bible as the Logos, the Word of God. From Genesis to Exodus, we have the revealed Word of God. The information about who He is, what He's like, what He's done, what He can do, what's going to happen at the end of the time. All the information we need for our lives and to know God is found in the Bible. It's Logos. But you see, 
you can't just dip into the Bible and choose any promise for your life. I mean, if you're a, a young virgin here today, you can't go, oh, that's a nice promise that Gabriel gave Mary. I'd like that promise. I'd like to be a virgin, uh, have a virgin birth too. Obviously not. That was a specific word for a specific person at a specific time. Now, in the New Testament, we have a different word than logos, which is general and all-encompassing, for that specific word. Can anyone tell me what it is? The Greek word is? Rhema. Some of you already know. Rhema. Rhema is God's word activated. Now, we see this in this passage because the angel delivers the promise, but uh, Mary's reaction to it was, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come with power and make this happen. You see, when God personalizes his word towards us, and he can do that in many ways, through the preaching of the word, the reading of God's scriptures, through dreams or visions, as, as, as uh, uh, Joseph, her husband, would soon have a dream. God can personalize his word. And when he does that, we get the promise, or, or we get the inward call. You know, there's something may, maybe perhaps inside you where you know, you just know that God has called you uh, to be involved in medicine, or God has called you to be a teacher, or God has called you uh, to, to, to be in a certain city or a certain, certain land. And you know as you know as you know, because God has given you the promise. But that promise needs the Holy Spirit to fulfill it. Naturally, it was impossible. And that's why she said, how can this be possible? What God wants you to do and what God wants you to be is impossible for you. It is impossible for you alone to become what God has planned you to become as a person. It is also impossible for you to accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish without him. So Mary, when she heard that the promise was delivered, she said, well, this is impossible. I can't do this. How will this be done? And the answer was the Holy Spirit. Think about this. It's very important to know that the Holy Spirit is your senior partner in your life and your calling and what God has planned for you. Whatever God asks you to do, however you try and walk in obedience to his revealed word and his plan for your life, the best way you know how, you are going to need to rely on a power, ability, and a wisdom that's not your own, that's outside you. You're going to have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. If the angel had just given the word and the Holy Spirit had not been involved with the word, the pregnancy would never happen because this word was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are plans and destinies amongst us that are conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and directed by the specific rhema word of God. The word of God is living and active when the Holy Spirit takes it and activates this. Now we see this right throughout scripture. The promise that then comes with the power to cause the promise to pass. I mean, even at the beginning, when God created the world, we see this principle there. God said... And there was. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be fish swimming in the sea. And there was. 
But you see, involved in that was the Holy Spirit. Because when you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it speaks about the Holy Spirit brooding over the material in the earth that had yet to be formed. There was no life. So there's the raw material of the universe. There's the earth, raw material. And the Holy Spirit is hovering, hovering like an eagle, just hovering there, just hovering, waiting. What's he waiting for? The Word. So when God says, let there be, the Holy Spirit takes the Word conceives the word and births the word and there was light. When God said, let there be fish, then what happened was as he spoke, the Holy Spirit took the word of promise and caused it to come to pass. So here in this passage, we see firstly that God is going to invade your life with his initiative, his choice, his favour, and then there's going to be a promise a word, a direction. This could be a lifelong calling or it could be a direction or a personal word of God in your life for a period of time, a season. How many of you know that God works in seasons? We're just about, we're entering the Christmas season now. Well, God works in your life in seasons. And it's important for us to stay close to the Lord so that we can discern as much as we're able the season that we're in right now. What is God's word season for you right now? What is it? What is it right now? Is it training? Is it learning? Is it ministering? What is his word for you right now in your family situation? What season are you in? Because if you understand the season that you're in by the word of God, then the Holy Spirit will enter your season and bring to birth what's meant to be birthed in that season. Now, So the Holy Spirit is at work in this call. But then we see something else. We see, fourthly, that Mary's response is very important. She responds, she submits, she believes, and she's prepared to walk through the pregnancy. We we see this here. It says, And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, number one, God, through his choice and his favour and his initiative, enters into our life. He saves us for a purpose. Or he comes and reveals to us his seasonal purpose in our lives. And he does that by delivering his promise, his direction, knowing that This will be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But then our role is to recognise, submit and carry through pregnancy spiritually whatever God has deposited and conceived in our life. So Mary says, let it be done. She says, I'm your bondservant or your bondslave. What this means is that she says, I am obedient to the word that you have placed into my heart. I'm obedient. I will follow through on the plans that you have for me in this season. Now, this doesn't always work like that. Sometimes people try and abort the work of God that's in their lives. Think of Jonah. Jonah, God spoke very clearly to him. He was with him. He spoke to him the promise, you will go and the direction, and you will speak to Nineveh, and I will be with you. But Jonah didn't want anything to do 
with the promise that God had given to him to go and to, to, to preach repentance to the Ninevites. And so he ran from the directional call of God. He ran from the word. He wasn't like Mary, the obedient slave. Let it be done to, to me. I will walk out this path you've got for me, Lord. I, I will do what you've commanded. But he was like running as far away from God as he possibly could. Paid no attention to God's word that was spoken as a rhema into his life. And what did God do? Well, God will bring you back to his purposes one way or the other sooner or later. And so he tried to run from God and he found himself in the belly of a whale, feeling very sorry for himself and uh, realising that you can't run from God's purposes in your life forever. And if you do, you'll end up in a very fishy situation. You'll end up in a terrible... Have you ever run from God? God's call, God's promise on your life, your destiny the season that God has placed you in? Have you ever resisted that because you'd prefer a different season? God has placed you in a winter season where the life goes back into the, the bulb and the shrub and it's a time of reforming, strengthening, preparing for a springtime to come and you haven't liked the winter season because it's cold and you've declared spring, but God has declared winter. Have you ever been in a place where it, it, it's getting messier and messier because uh, you're not following what the Lord is doing? Now, sometimes you say, well, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Well, don't worry about it. He'll show you. The, the, the concern is when God begins to direct you and uh, you say, well, that's not the path that I want. She was active in her passivity. And as she said, let it be according to your word. It was the amen of faith. When she said, let it be according to, to your word, amen. I believe that was the moment that the circuit was full circuit, that that, that, that seed was placed within her womb. Invisibly, she couldn't see it, of course, but God had begun. Now, as well as this fourth point of submission, faith and work, there's another element here to do with our walk with the Lord, the promise over our life, his calling. Uh, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, our submission to it. And the other thing is, number five, you are not alone. Here, the angel said, look, think about your cousin Elizabeth. She also has had a promise. She had a promise in her uh, infertility that she would conceive in her own age. She was barren. But now she is well in her pregnancy, a journey of pregnancy, and very soon, she's going to give birth to John. And what did Mary do? Well, Mary, right after this passage we read, she went to find Elizabeth. And when she found Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, in Elizabeth's womb, sensed that Mary was there with the little tiny embryo of Jesus there and responded to it. There was great synergy. You see, you're not on your own. God has got a call and personal destiny for you to walk in. But he's also got one for me. He's got one for everyone that, that's here. And we're all different jigsaws of God's puzzle. Your calling 
is not your own with nothing to do with me. My calling is not my own with nothing to do with you, but my calling and your calling, his calling and her calling. Here saying Kensington Temple, 11 o'clock service. Although we might not realize it, all of us here today, if we love the Lord, we're different jigsaw puzzles in the great plan that we can't see for God's impact in London through us. What you're doing, where you're doing, what I'm doing, what I'm doing. All of us together. I might not, you might not know what I'm doing. I might not know what you're doing. But as we focus in the Lord, then we find that the same God that's working with you is working with me. And so they could compare notes. And sometimes you find someone who's a little bit ahead of you in uh, carrying the pregnancy spiritually of what God wants to bring to birth in them and through them. So isn't it wonderful she could go to Mary and say, well, you know, what, what's it like being six months pregnant? So Mary could go to Elizabeth and Elizabeth could talk and they could say, well, how did God, God visit you, Elizabeth? What's your story of the choice, the favour, the inbreaking of God? How was the promise delivered to you? How did you hear from the Lord that you were going to have a boy and his name was John? And, and how did it happen? How was the supernatural work like? And how did you respond? I think you responded better than your husband, didn't you? Because uh, he didn't believe and he couldn't speak uh, and, and until the time of birth. And comparing notes about how God is working in your life, how God is working in my life. And you see these two pregnant women together. And it reminds me of... Uh, when I was, uh, when myself and Nicola had our firstborn, and she was pregnant with Jake, and we would go to these um, sessions, and you'd go to these pregnancy sessions, and there would be other people who were at a similar stage of pregnancy like you, and we were all first timers. And before that, you're thinking, what are we doing? This, this is new, we have no idea about, we've never done this journey before, and the older, the older ones, grandma says, I've had five or six, just get on with it. And we don't know what we... But then you go to this class and you meet another couple who don't know what they're doing either. You meet someone else who's a bit frightened about it. And, and you're in these pregnancy preparation classes and all of a sudden you're comparing notes in people that, that are on a similar journey with you in pregnancy, preparing for birth together. And you can make some good friends during that period. And then afterwards, when the babies are born, the babies can play with one another. And we've got pregnancies all over the place at Kensington Temple today. Uh, we've got Rebecca and Gabriel expecting their second at the end of December. And then we, then we have uh, Chris and Lois, who was at the nine o'clock, uh, sitting just where you are, Rebecca. And it was very helpful, because every time I look over, I see pregnancy. Pregnancy, which is a great illustration, uh, at the beginning of January. So, so thing, things are happening. Remember, all truth is parallel. All truth is parallel. So we see choice and favour. God will break in. He's with you. Promise, plan begins to be delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. You submit you believe, you begin to work it out and partner with the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. You find other people in your cell group or friends. They're walking a journey. God has uh, conceived something in their hearts about the future that they're working through. And what you're going through, they're going through. Different but similar. You can compare notes. You can encourage one another and find out that perhaps your jigsaw pieces fit together. But all this was the beginning for her, wasn't it? Because she now had to carry what was conceived in her for nine months. And it's funny when God places something in your heart, the Holy Spirit 
conceives a rhema word, a calling, an action, a season, a plan, a purpose, a direction, when it's conceived in your heart, that's just the beginning. The big thing is walking that through the pregnancy period, nine months in this case. And think about others in the Bible. You'll see this again and again and again in the Bible. God will conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit a word or direction for someone's life and then they will have to live and walk it through in like a pregnancy scenario until it comes to birth and manifests on the earth. Classic example, Abraham. God turns up to Abraham. Abraham didn't know who he was. God says, you're going to have a miracle child through Sarah. Abraham conceives by saying, I believe. God says, because you, you believe, it's reckoned to you as righteousness in Genesis 15. And bang, it's begun. 25 years later or so, Isaac is born. Isaac is born. And during that time, he makes many mistakes. He tries to bring to birth what God has planned by his own power, not by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we read. And he gets his Ishmael. Now, Mary, I mean, once this happens, and she's got the word, she's heard the call, she sees the destiny, she understands the season, everything goes very quiet and very humble. Uh, what's going on inside her is in the first few months at least hidden. She knows she's pregnant. Uh, Joseph knows he's pregnant. But nobody else does and nobody else really cares. And in fact, as people, as people learn, uh, there's a bit of a carrying of a shame here. Because people say, wait a second, they only got married then. How can she be pregnant, this much pregnant, when they, she must have conceived before she got married? Often there is an element of shame when you're walking through what God has called you to do. People may not understand. People may think you're mad. People might not wonder why you're not walking according to the world's way. And here she is. The angels disappeared. And then it's like God just withdraws. It's like God just withdraws. Next thing they know, they have to take a journey. As a pregnant woman, she has to journey. Why? Because Caesar's got a new tax code coming and every man has to return to his place of birth. So they have to get up and travel all the way to Bethlehem. Lord, what's this about? I mean, I'm carrying the word made flesh in my womb and now I have to go by Donkey Express all the way to Bethlehem. What's that got to do? with birthing the saviour of the world. Things get very, if I can put it this way, real. Things get very earthly. What starts with a flourish of promise and spirit seems to become very natural. There'll be many times in the call of God on your life and in the seasons he puts you in where you'll have this initial excitement of what God has said, but the walking through the pregnancy, it takes a lot of time and sometimes the baby that God wants you to birth, the baby of his promise gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Rebecca's nodding. You're carrying something. It's getting heavier and heavier. You can feel it, but you can't see it. Well, they didn't have scans in those days. And then when they get to Nazareth, where was the presidential suite in the Sheraton 
fitting for God's son. I mean, God, you, you don't do anything, and we have to. We're forced to go on this journey to Nazareth, and my wife is pre pre pregnant. We get there, and there's no hotels. You'd have thought the Gabriel, the angel Gabriel that delivered the message, could have at least, you know, uh, booked us into a decent hotel supernaturally before us. Nothing. No hotel, you know the story. In a shed. But I'm about to give birth to God's son. In a shed. Sometimes you will find yourself in very lowly situations where you'll go, is this it? Is this it? The promise doesn't match up to my experience. Well, is this it? In a shed with cows, and then she gives birth. Now, you will find sometimes when it's time for the manifestation of what God has been calling you for, training you for, or put you in a season to produce, when it's showtime, when it's birth time, when that which has been pregnant in the invisible, you hear what I mean? You're believing, you're trusting, you're walking out in obedience, what God's called you to do, but you're not seeing much. But when the time comes to see, when it time comes for manifestation, for God's will, no longer to be pregnant in the invisible realm, if you like, but to burst through in a miracle, or to burst through in a promotion, or to burst through in action, that time of birthing can be very traumatic. I don't agree with these preachers that believe that Mary had a pain-free pregnancy. Oh, Mary was, was blessed. She had a pain-free pregnancy. I don't believe that. Because Mary, she was a lovely woman, but she was a, a fallen woman, just like all human beings were. So there probably was. I mean, Jesus says in John 16, verse 21, he uses pregnancy in a spiritual illustration, he says, John 16, 21, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of a child that is born into the world. He says, that's going to happen to you. You know, there's time when it's coming... You know, you've been walking it out. You've been trusting God. You've been believing God. You've been Abraham on your journey to the promised land. You've been Noah for years and years building some ark and there's, and, and there's, not, a, there's not a drop of rain and you're walking it through. The pregnancy is getting heavy. You know God's up to, but how long is it going to take until the child comes? And then when the time comes, often, not always, but often when the time comes that something's going to manifest, be seen, come out into the open where everybody can see. That can be a time of intensity. It can be a time of great contractions. It can be a time of turmoil in order to birth that which you've been pregnant with with God for a long time. That's what can happen in these things. A, a time where, where you're birthing it, you're coming to the end, it's about to see and, and everything's going on. I remember in our first the first time that we had a child... Uh, there, there was quite a few times we ended up at the hospital because Nicola would have a contraction. We'd go, there it is, let's go. And we'd be down there. And by the time we got there, it always stopped. And the nurse would say, no, 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 you're nowhere near ready yet, go home. And then we'd be there three days later, not you two again. <laughs> Brinks, hacks, contractions, I don't know what it was. But it was like, you know, it was, it was these contractions that were ta taking place. But then the time came. The time came and something was to be born. And of course, there was a process of birth. But the mo it's so true, the moment the baby appears, 
all the pain, all the carrying, well, Nicola did most of that, of course, all the support, all of that just fades because you've got something in your hands that's living, crying, breathing. The birth has taken place and everything is worth it. Well, this is what happened to Mary in a shed. And, and this is what happens to us as well. This is the way God works. All truth is parallel. There's a time of pregnancy. There's a time of Holy Spirit conceiving through the dreams, through the visions, through the, through, through the word being delivered and the purpose being dis- displayed. And then there's a time of birthing. 